Welcome to the Art of Healthcare podcast, where we aim to be as good at the human side of healthcare as we are at the clinical side of healthcare. My name is Chris Desmond. I'm a physiotherapist who's fascinated by how we can better help the person with the problem. Join us as we learn how to connect better, how to show up better, and how to understand our patients and ourselves better. Welcome to the Art of Healthcare podcast. This is where we get to explore the human side of healthcare with experts so we can figure out how to better help the person with the problem. Today, I am joined by Jeffrey Roche, MPA. He's a Senior Vice President of Workforce Development. And Jeffrey is an accomplished leader with a commitment and passion for healthcare innovation, future-focused strategy, transformation and workforce in- impact. Uh, and his professional careers included over nine years in hospital administration, uh, where he served as strategic advisor to the president and CEO and department director of various departments for a regional healthcare system in Northeast Pennsylvania. Jeffrey's also served in senior leadership roles where he's led strategic partnerships, organizational strategies, business development for both Lebanon Valley College and Harrisburg University of Science and Technology. He's got significant experience creating high impact partnerships and he's an adjunct, he's also an adjunct instructor wrap your tongue around that, of health administration in the MBA's MHA program at Monrovian University. Uh, He serves on the United Way of Lebanon County and United Way of Pennsylvania Board of Directors, IU13 Board of Directors, the Leadership Council for Monrovian College, the Patient Safety Committee for Wellspan Good Samaritan Hospital, and as an elected school director of Anvil Cleona School District. Jeffrey, you wear a lot of hats, mate. Yeah, sometimes too many, right? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's so wonderful to be here with you. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Jeffrey, with that background, the first question I have for you is, why do you care about the art of healthcare? Why do you care about the human side? Sure. Well, you know, first and foremost, one of the organizations that I often think of when I when I talk about the art of healthcare is we have an organization here based in New York City called the Gold Foundation. And uh, the motto of the Gold Foundation is that we have to keep healthcare. In fact, they always say we have to be focused on keeping healthcare human. And so, you know, for me, my mother is a nurse. And so, you know, as a young child, I, I can vividly remember, you know, her coming home in her nursing scrubs and, and going to work with always, an, uh, with always uh, a care and concern to serve. And, you know, even through grade school, you know, many years of schooling, I would regularly uh, have classmates that would say, oh my gosh, your mom was, was, was the nurse, you know, when my mom had, you know, my sibling and, and such. And so, you know, uh, healthcare and, and, and certainly the aspects of, of the art of healthcare with relation to service have always been really, really important to me. And so then when I had the uh, privilege to come into healthcare, which is not what I really ever expected to do when I graduated college, for me, it was always about service. While I wasn't a clinical person, for me, you know, the opportunity in an external affairs role is is really to help ensure that our healthcare system was always remaining focused on our patients and our consumers first and foremost. And so, you know, we need much more human-centered approaches within healthcare today than we've ever had before. Because in many ways, I think within our healthcare system, as we have grown globally and become larger within healthcare, we've we've in some ways forgotten those important aspects and touches 
a, a very human-centered approaches. And so we've got to return to them. I very much agree with that. And when you, when you mentioned the Gold Foundation's motto of keeping healthcare human, what came up for me initially was, there was actually, I think we've moved away from the humanity of healthcare a little bit from what how we used to deliver it. So it, it almost needs to, I think, swing back. And that goes to what you were saying as well as is kind of bringing in those those human touches a little bit more. What what do you see as examples of those human touches? Sure. You know, I think I, I think to you know to your point, Chris. You know, we have to think about while while technology has certainly been a huge huge benefit to healthcare. There are times within within healthcare where we've seen some aspects of that human touch be lost. You know, where when we hear of nurses and clinicians and doctors and other members of the provider team specifically say, I wasn't able to spend as much time with my patients because I had to do my documentation in my electronic medical record. Or, you know, the example of, of a clinician or a provider so focused on the electronic medical record, the patient's in the room and feels as if they're being ignored. And so, you know, for me, you know, I was just saying to my wife recently when I went to our primary care physician, our primary care physician is is someone who yet, yeah, you know, she knows she still has to document, but her first and foremost approach is to focus on me, communicate, you know, verbally eye to eye, be paying attention to me from the standpoint of, of you know, how's Jeffrey doing today? You know, I'm here, I'm here to serve you, Jeffrey. You know, what, what else uh, can we be speaking about? And I think it's so important in our healthcare system, more than ever globally, as well as here in the U.S., that there are so many aspects that if we go back to the human basics of communication, eye contact, you know, listening before speaking, that's a really important one. I can't, I can't focus enough on, even with leaders, that we must listen before we speak. That when clinicians are speaking with patients, first listening, not judging, not immediately telling them what, what the answer is, listening so that we can first have an understanding of what, what is uh, of most concern to them and then come back with what we believe may be the appropriate response. I think that is so important. And then also just the, the idea of, of certainly, you know, being able to read the room, you know, being under, able, able to understand when a patient uh, or consumer walks in, you know, empathy from, from what they may be dealing with and what they may be experiencing. I don't know, Chris, if you've ever seen there's a video that is often played at many healthcare systems here in the U.S. regularly, uh, or has been in the past, of the Cleveland Clinic that walks through, you know, various different patients that, you know, some patients are being transported, some are, are cancer patients, some are going in and eventually having a baby. But it, the idea is that you're seeing these patients be transported, you're seeing these patients and loved ones walk through, you know, ho the hospital, ultimately get into the elevator. And it's this idea that all of us in healthcare, whether we're clinical or non-clinical, have to be of, of the understanding that we don't know what it's like for that individual when they walk into our hospital. And so we've got to be thinking about every element of service excellence from the moment they do so that we can be of service to them at some of their highest and some of their lowest points in their life. Well said. Well said. And I think that there are themes that have come up through the conversations that I've been having so far as well. And I think that the element of service or the element of the care side of healthcare is something that, that we do kind of push to this, maybe push to the side isn't the right word for it. It's half past five in the morning here. So not, I don't know if I'm going to come up with a better one just at the moment. 
but it is for a variety of reasons that kind of that has we've moved away from that and we need to i think to swing back towards that that care side of healthcare and that service side of healthcare both for our patients or the people that are coming to see us and also for the people that work within healthcare as well like i know you were talking about it from a leadership role and i think kind of working as a as a healthcare leader myself at, at times i think a lot of a lot of the components of patient care or client care or or however you want to frame it fit really well into a leadership perspective from healthcare as well i was having a conversation with one of my team members about a certain challenge that they were facing and i just said to them okay how would you go about how would you go about doing this with a patient how would you progressively load them through a through a rehabilitation program and you just see the light bulb go on and think ah oh, these concepts that i have over here i can solve this problem with those ones yep yeah it's it's interesting so from a from a making healthcare more uh, humanistic more humane perspective I'm going to flip the flip the questioning around actually to talk about health equity as sure. well because I think that's a I think that's a really important part of making healthcare more humanistic uh, is understanding the concept of equity and putting it into practice. So I guess the first question is what is health equity? How do we define that? Yeah, well, I mean, health equity really comes down to you know that everyone has a fair and just opportunity to be as healthy as possible. And so we have to think about within our healthcare system, whether it's, you know, in the hospital setting, whether it's the outpatient setting, that everything that we do has to be focused, uh, particularly on, you know, eliminating disparities that are in our system. Some of them are systemic. Some of them have been there for a very, very long time. And, you know, why that's important is that we know that just because of certain uh, cultural backgrounds, you know, certain groups in our society that are unfortunately marginalized, that they do not um, have the same level of health equity at all uh, as I will, J just based on, you know, where I've come from, my culture, my ethnicity, et cetera. And so when we talk about, you know, health equity, we've got to be thinking about that. And it's so important from, from not just a quality end, but from a patient safety end as well. I mean, there have been more and more reports, academically studied reports that have suggested that there are some hospitals, you know, here in the United States and, and certainly around the globe that, you know, individuals that may be African-American or black have a higher chance of dying in procedures in one hospital over another. That's an example, certainly, of a systemic challenge with relation to health equity, because you got to peel back that onion to understand why that is and, and, and why that is not okay and why we must all be on the quest uh, to achieve health equity. Because if we achieve health equity, the entire healthcare system benefits, not just obviously the individuals who are marginalized benefit, but everybody benefits because our, our system is, is certainly one that, that has much more quality. Our system is certainly one with less patient safety errors. And certainly our system is one where we're truly meeting people to where they're at and helping lift them up, particularly if they face, you know, adverse challenges. And so we've got to think about that. Now, 
The obvious question is, is how do you get there? And I will say that there's a, there's a whole litany uh, of elements that you have to think about. One of which is we do and we must deal with those systemic issues. You know, you have to look at everything from how medical staff is governed and organized to, you know, to the structural elements of our healthcare system. And you have to really think about, you know, what it is and how it is to ensure we truly have not just cultural awareness, but that we have embedded into every uh, fabric of our healthcare system, not just a commitment, but living out, living it out every day by all team members of diversity, equity, and inclusion. If we don't do that, and we're going to continue to have these disparities, which, which are, are far too great globally than they should be in here in 2021. The second thing is, is we've got to diversify the workforce. We have got to look at ways to lift up individuals who represent these marginalized communities so that, so that these individuals who are marginalized see providers, clinicians that look like them, people they can trust. So when they're talked to about issues of diabetes or high blood pressure or whatever the case may be, they're being talked to by someone who understands them for who they are. Not to say that a clinician that doesn't look like them can understand them, but it's very different when we're going to talk about understanding them for who they are, because we're talking about an element of culture there, an element of, of understanding from ethnicity there. And so it's really, really important that we bring more diversity, equity, and inclusion into our healthcare workforce in every country and every healthcare setting throughout this globe, because that will certainly not also just enhance the patient experience, but by far literature also suggests academic literature, uh, study after study strongly suggests that it will also enhance uh, the overall quality and, and lower patient safety areas. Because again, we're meeting people where they're at. We're supporting them for who they are. We're not judging them. We're not systemically making it more difficult for them to be healthy. Awesome points, right? Awesome points. And I think like looking, if you look at health outcome data from, I, I would say most countries in the world, I'm not familiar with with all of the data, but at least kind of New Zealand, Australia, the US, there is significant inequality between ethnicities in terms of health outcomes that are achieved. And like the, the way that I think about equity is that we want those outcomes to be the same. And that doesn't mean coming up with one solution and putting it out to everybody in the country, because that's how these inequalities inequalities have arrived and been perpetuated as well is that we we go with one solution a very sort of uh westernized model of healthcare solution that doesn't serve all of the populations that we're looking to work with so it's it's creating unique solutions for different populations so that we can have those end outcomes the same yeah and like you've made, you made some really good points about, okay, how do we get there from a systemic perspective? And driving system change does take time. Here in New Zealand, we're about to start to go through potentially huge changes to the health system. Is that they're tearing, not, not quite tearing it down and, and building it back up again, but they're, they're looking to change the way that they do things here. So it'll be a really fascinating next couple of years for us to look at what that, what that 
does, but then obviously that's a couple of year process and then embedding that into practice and shifting culture around this as well as this is this is a year this is a year's project for the people who are listening to this who who want to think about okay how can i bring health equity into my practice this week are there ways that we could think about doing this tomorrow with our with our teams or with our in our clinics yeah, I mean, without question, there definitely are. I mean, I think that, you know, the first and foremost element is, you know, most practices, most clinics certainly have data. And so, you know, just getting a sense of, uh, you know, just the different levels of diversity that you have within your within your patient mix is, is a really good idea. Because, you know, recognizing that, that there are some, you know, cultural and ethnic backgrounds that are just predisposed to some elements of disease, chronic diseases over others. And so, you know, being mindful of that, you know, matching that up with the data and then being thoughtful around different patient education opportunities that you have uh, to ensure that, you know, if you're a clinician, you're spending a little bit more time with, you know, with, with one population, particularly to talk about diabetes, if, if they're just predisposed because of, you know, their cultural eth or ethnic background. That's an example of a very proactive type of approach. The same thing goes on in the emergency room where, you know, talk about data. But I mean, every, every, you know, emergency room can specifically look and see, you know, who are our super utilizers, particularly to the emergency room, meaning they're visiting, you know, very frequently and then coming back and back and back and back. And, you know, when you peel that back, peel that onion back, there's probably a lot of social determinants of health issues at work. We could be dealing with housing. We could be dealing with, you know, job situations, income. We could be dealing with a whole host of different elements that make up the social determinants of health. And, and that all correlates back to equity. And so when we talk about the work of practices and clinics and hospitals, et cetera, wherever we are in the continuum of care, we've got to always be talking about coordinated care and coordinated care keeps equity at the center, as well as makes, makes very clear commitment that social determinants of health also affect one's physical and mental health. And if we don't address those social aspects, we can never achieve health equity. Mm. I'm going to pause you and ask you for a couple of definitions there. So when you say coordinated care, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So, you know, coordinated care, you know, can mean a lot of different things, but, but how I see it is, is really if a patient comes in the emergency room and ultimately, you know, they're, they're screened, they're seen and say they're discharged, you know, that, that should not be the conclusion of just that. We've got to be thinking about what it is, particularly, you know, in the U.S. and other countries where we've started to do more and more social determinants of health screening. That really takes into account, you know, if they are discharged, were they discharged to a home? Or if they're homeless, what are we doing to try and address that? So, you know, it's, it's, it's really taking that next step to coordinate not just the health aspect of it, but also the care aspect of it. And it's this idea of not just, you know, giving them the resource and discharging, but it's giving them a resource and referring them, getting them into ultimately that resource through that referral and then closing the loop. That's really the coordinated care aspect. And so another example would be, you know, if they come into uh, the emergency room and they don't have a primary care physician, 
before they are discharged or even if they're admitted and then treated and then eventually discharged, we've got to ensure that they have a primary care provider that can be their, you know, their primary, you know, not just provider, but also someone to help manage their care. So it's really, really important that we're thinking about all the different ecosystems that are in mind here because so many people in our healthcare system come into an emergency room and then we discharge them without ever truly addressing some of the social care aspects. And, you know, in, in 2021, we can't just deal with the physical aspects. We've got to deal with every act of their health care. That's how we're going to not only uh, improve their health, that's potentially another opportunity to address equity. And, and then also it's an opportunity to address some of our systemic issues that we face in our society. Mm. Yeah. And I think like this, there's, there's a saying about healthcare is the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. So it's not just about having someone come in, patch them up and send them on their way. It's about also sending them on their way, but it, trying to ensure that they don't fall off the cliff and land on your ambulance again. Yep. And one, one other thing that I wanted to kind of just dig into a little bit on definitions is the social determinants of health, Jeffrey. Like what is the, as a concept, how do you understand that? Hey there team, we're just taking a short break in the chat to let you know about something really exciting. Podcasts are great and I'm sure that you're getting a whole heap from this one, but they don't always move the needle on improving our skill set in the human side of healthcare. And that's why I've set up the Art of Healthcare team. It's a safe and supportive online community of healthcare providers learning from experts and each other about how to really up our game in the human skill sets that are vital for delivering healthcare in the future. So when you're ready, we'd love for you to join us. Head on over to team.artofhealthcare.nz to find out more and to sign up. Back to the show. Yeah. So, you know, social determinants of health, when, when you really, you know, look at it specifically, you know, we're, we're really looking at all the different elements that societally can certainly impact our health or, or, or cause us to have issues of equity. That's everything from housing to the environment. Uh, and when I talk about the environment, we're specifically talking about, you know, if, if there's lead uh, paint, you know, in a, in a, a place where someone's living, if there's, you know, unsafe drinking water, those types of things. So, you know, not just the physical environment, but also the built environment. It's also talking about access to healthy foods and certainly, you know, access to food in general. We, we talk about food deserts where, you know, communities throughout the globe, you know, don't have access to healthy foods for, for miles and miles and miles. But we're also talking about issues, access to parks, access to uh, places where we can walk uh, safely, whether it's an issue you know, of we don't have access or it's an issue of crime, for example, or someone doesn't feel safe. So social determinants of health are looking at all those different elements. And it's also, as I mentioned earlier, housing, but also areas, you know, such as jobs and the economy. And so, you know, we've got to think about the social determinants of health as part of a, a clear recognition because it all points to issues of equity. And so they all come back and certainly are, are, are interchangeable in pretty significant ways. And they're you know, they're, they're all correlated in very specific ways. And if we're going to advance good outcomes, they all have to be considered in, in, in how we approach each and every patient. Mm. So I'll give you an example. In my hospital time, we had a super utilizer program where, you know, we were working with the emergency room to have a sense of, you know, frequent 
patients that would come in time and time again for some of the same issues. And so we had built a program called our health coaches program that ultimately, you know, involves students going to the homes of patients with one circumstance, our, our care management team and our social workers, you know, noticed a patient that came in with very similar lung related issues time and time again, would be discharged back home, come back in. Throughout the process, eventually one of those social workers in conversation uh, with the care team, as well as with the patient, asked the patient for permission, if they could come with the patient to their home and see the conditions that they were living in, because they were a little concerned that maybe there was just something that was holding back this patient from getting healthy and well. And when that member of the care team went there, they immediately saw what exactly the problem was. This was an apartment complex, not a, not a place the patient owned, a place the patient rented, that had significant environmental issues. The water had issues, lead, you know, particularly in the pipes, a whole host of issues. Ultimately, because of that action of that care team member, that patient was able to leave that place. Authorities got involved and were able to address it. And that patient was able to go to a different place. That's addressing a social determinant of health. And that's that next step of working to better coordinate that care. Because the reality of it is, is that ultimately that could have become a life-threatening uh, situation. Ultimately, it was a life saved and also a life better coordinated. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. And obviously in cases like that, it's easy to see how the social determinants of health are affecting the health challenges that this person is going through. Do you, are you aware of kind of like what the research says about how much social determinants of health affect patient outcomes kind of across the board? Because I, I mean, we, we, we've been sitting with this biomedical model of healthcare for some time and it's starting to change, which is great, but our mind immediately goes to what's the pathology here. Yep. And yeah. how much does that add other stuff play? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, in the U.S., I can, you know, certainly only speak to the United States in terms of the research, but multiple sources of research, particularly academic research, has suggest, suggested that social determinants of health particularly contribute up to 80% of a patient's health outcome. So it's, it's extremely significant. Mm. And that's why it's so important that in every aspect of our healthcare setting, that we're, we're thinking about this and that we're embedding it into every aspect of our practice or, or our clinic. So, you know, for example, you know, I would argue it's probably not that dissimilar in other countries, frankly. And so we should be embedding social determinants of health screening into every element of our healthcare system, every element. And it should be embedded in a manner in which it integrates with the electronic medical record. And, and it's something that's, that's readily known and understood by all members of the care team. Because if, if by doing so, not only can we do right by the patient, but we can also do right by all of the other elements of our society. Because again, we can address some of the systemic issues, you know, where we have landlords that are allowing people to live there, yet they're not in, you know, good health, safe conditions. And, you know, we're in a position in healthcare to, to be aware of that through, you know, a social determinants of health screening all the way to, you know. Uh, a renewed focus on making sure we have access to healthy foods and a renewed focus on making sure we have parks and uh, places for kids to play and, and safely recreate and such. And so, you know, we've got to be intentional about these types of things if we're going to ever truly improve patient outcomes. 
Yeah, yeah. I would say that you're probably right in terms of the data for other countries as well. I'm not 100% sure what it is here in New Zealand in terms of how much impact, but I would that that's not a surprising number to me. And obviously, obviously every case is different. Some people it's 90% pathology and 10% social determinants of health and other people it's it's 95% social determinants and 5% pathology in terms of how they how they're presenting. And I think like we need to be we need to get better at looking at this and again from a systemic perspective it, it takes a little while to change. So I was wondering do you do you have some questions? I mean, you've, you've done a lot of work in this area. Do you have some questions that healthcare providers could ask tomorrow to just check in with patients about, okay, how might some of these social determinants of health be affecting you? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a number of different tools, um, you know, that you see more and more healthcare systems use. I know in, in uh, our healthcare system where we re- we receive our care, they do regularly ask patients, you know, within the last, you know, whether it's 24 hours or seven days, you know, did you have a place to, a place that you could call home? And so, you know, obviously if, if one would come back and say, no, there's going to be follow-up to and an opportunity to see what could be done. There have also been, you know, more and more focus as well on, you know, having a systematic screening type of questions as well, you know, by practice. And so, you know, to kind of give you an example as well, you know, you may have uh, questions around, you know, food access, you know, within the community that you live, talk to me about where you, where you access food. Because obviously if someone answers and says that they go to the convenience, well, we know there's not really a whole lot of healthy food options in a convenience store. And so then we're, again, we're going to have to peel back that onion, have additional conversations around, you know, why is it that they go to that convenience store and, and is it based on cost that they can't afford fruits and vegetables and other healthy options? And so, you know, those types of related questions are, are really, really important. And you see a number of various different approaches, you know, specifically in how they're utilized. Yeah. And I think you, you make a good point with that as well. And it's not that we need to go really deep on every de- social determinant of health. But if we have some questions that we we ask about kind of high level stuff, and if someone gives us an answer that flags up, okay, this might be an issue, then we can start to explore that one a little bit more. Absolutely. Jeffrey, are there other ways that you think that we can we can address social determinants of health or or create more equity? Uh, within the health system that we haven't talked about yet? Well, I think, as I mentioned earlier, you know, one of which is to certainly bring more diversity, equity, and include particularly into the workforce. And there's a number of things we have to do to do that. You know, one of which is to develop direct pathways and pipeline programs with, with, you know, colleges and universities, both community colleges, uh, four-year programs, et cetera, specifically, again, that, that really um, help people understand at all levels uh, of society, that there are opportunities in healthcare. And that means in some cases, we may even have to have health systems or healthcare organizations sponsor individuals that come from various diverse backgrounds because they may not have, you know, they may not, it's not as affordable for them to go on and be a nurse or go on and be a doctor. And so you're seeing more and more initiatives where health systems are sponsoring, you know, partnerships with medical schools and nursing schools 
to fund and, and, and bring more diversity, particularly into the healthcare system. I can't stress enough how important it is. The other thing is, is again, reaching students where they're at earlier in their life, you know, even in the K through 12 space, talking about the opportunities within healthcare. And so here at, at Dignity Health Global Education, Common Spirit uh, Health, which is one of the largest not-for-profit faith-based healthcare systems here in the United States, they have actually sponsored a health, excuse me, the health uh, equity impact scholarship. That equity impact scholarship is entirely devoted to bring more diversity, equity, and inclusion into the healthcare workforce, not just for common spirit, but the entire entire country here in the United States, as well as all, all the certificate programs are also eligible globally. And so, you know, this commitment is really to reach individuals where they're at, help them understand that they, you know, through writing a personal statement of why diversity, equity, inclusion is important to them and how they, through this educational opportunity, will, will not only advance their professional career, but also advance diversity, equity, and inclusion within our healthcare system is really an amazing opportunity for them to earn a scholarship towards any one of the eight certificate as well as three degree programs. And so it's pretty important because again, not everyone has that same level uh, of access. And if we can create more equity in the educational system, we can also create more equity in our healthcare system. And that's the type of systems level thinking that is absolutely required and the type that we must implement as quickly and as, and as fruitfully as we can. And, you know, I can't applaud, you know, common spirit enough for, for recognizing that. They've similarly, Chris, done a, a partnership with Morehouse School of Medicine, which is one of the most, you know, without question, diverse medical schools in the United States, where again, they're focused on developing a pipeline of diverse physicians and providers that will ultimately come out of medical school and work for common spirit because they want to intentionally diversify that workforce to ensure that we have more clinicians and providers that look like the patients that we see. Yeah, that's a really cool initiative. And it's, it's good to see that happening in, in that example. And also I'm, I'm aware of other examples where that is happening around the, around the globe as well, which is, which is great that this is being recognized and starting to, starting to be addressed. And I mean, it's easy to look at these problems and say, oh, we've got to do this, this, and this, and we're still so far away from, from a great outcome with that. But I think looking at it and also recognizing, okay, we've come a long way from this and changes, changes potentially a little bit, as we've talked about, a little bit slower at a systemic level, recognizing, hey, we've got a long way to go, but we've done some really great stuff to get to this point as well. And we're, we're making change and we're, we're committed to making it for a, for a positive impact on societal health. Absolutely. I think it, it, it really also comes down to being intentional and, 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 you know, particularly in a, in a healthcare environment where, where we're, we're much more risk averse, we've got to find that healthy balance because in order to best address some of these systemic challenges, We've got to be transformative. We've got to be intentional. Uh, and we have to be willing to uh, challenge the status quo and think anew because the, these are times where we've got to embrace change. The global healthcare workforce is in for some real, real challenges as we're seeing here in the United States, both on the workforce side, as well as a whole host of other elements. And we've got to be uh, intentional about pathways, bridges, and types of programs that ultimately bring not just the best workforce, but the most diverse workforce, because we know data suggests that if we have a diverse workforce, even data suggests if we have a chief diversity officer in our healthcare system that is intentionally working to embed 
diversity, equity, and inclusion into the healthcare system. Clear data has suggested and proven that if we do all of those steps, patients receive better care of higher outcomes. And so it, it, it's absolutely a no-brainer. We've just got to do it. Mm. Beautiful. Jeffrey, if people are interested in connecting with you, hearing more about the ideas that you're sharing and maybe learning more about the, the scholarships, how should they do that? Where can they go? Yeah. So obviously the easiest would be feel free to, you know, either connect on LinkedIn um, or feel free to send me an email, which just which, which would just be, you know, jeffrey.roach uh, at dhge.org, just G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y.R-O-C-H-E at dhge.org, uh, or find me via LinkedIn. Always happy to connect and always happy to talk to anyone about what we can do to truly bring, you know, more transformation and innovation to our healthcare system. Jeffrey, uh- I'm going to get you just to pose a question for us to go away and ponder as well off the back of this conversation, just to go a little bit deeper and, and reflect on on our practice and the way that we do things. So do you, have a, do you have a question just to get the wheels turning in our brain? Yeah. You know, the, the question I, I would definitely want to leave, particularly w- with relation to this, is that I would challenge all healthcare leaders to, to really pose the question I would pose to them is, do you, do you believe that you are building the healthcare workforce of the future? And, and what are you doing particularly to not only have more diversity, equity, and inclusion, but also what are you doing to inspire those of our workforce that are younger who can become that future leader? What are you doing with succession planning and what are you doing with even just employee resource groups so that we're doing everything we can to make every employee feel included? And that could include, you know, groups such as an LGBTQ plus group, as well as, you know, young moms groups, you know, whatever the case may be, what are we, what are you doing and what are we collectively doing in our healthcare system to lift one another up? Great question to go away and think about. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap, team. I really hope you enjoyed that one. If you want to support the show, the best way you can do that is to share this episode out with your friends, your colleagues, your mum, someone who you think might enjoy it, and to make sure that you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast app so you never miss an episode. For more resources, for all the episodes, for more information about the Art of Healthcare team, head on over to artofhealthcare.nz and you can find all of that stuff there. The amazing theme music for the episode was produced by my brother Jeremy Desmond, but otherwise you can blame me and my wonderful guest for the rest of the stuff. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for for showing the love. I really appreciate you. Have a great week.